radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. All right, I find myself on the horns of a dilemma at the beginning of this the Friday Q&A podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Don McDonald. Glad you could join in as uh, I attempt to answer your questions, as many as I possibly can. Usually on Fridays, I answer recorded questions that you called in to 855-935-TALK or that you recorded on the contact form at TalkingRealMoney.com. Well, we're out of balance right now. We only have a couple of spoken questions, and we have tons of written ones, and we're not getting through the written ones as fast as we'd like because we're getting a lot of calls to the show on Saturdays where we often take some of those. So I'm going to need to devote today's show to only written questions, but because I don't want the questions to all be in my voice, I have used artificial intelligence to voice a number of questions today. So all the questions you hear, these are not the voices of the real people. These are computer voices used to speak the words typed. Hope that makes sense. I know one of you wrote in and said you didn't like it, but then another one said we do like it. And I'm just trying to make it more fun to listen to, so... That's why I'm going to mix it up with other voices. So let's do this. We're just going to go through them. We're going to barrel through as many as we can. And we're going to start right here with this one. This is beginning investor Mark from Chicago. And I listen to a few different finance podcasts, but I never skip an episode of yours. If I were to create a Mount Rushmore of personal finance advisors, you guys will need to help me with a fourth head. So far, I have Don, Tom, and Paul Merriman. Since Dave Ramsey will never make it, is it Joe Saul Seahigh? Clark Howard? Jill Schlesinger? Anyway, I am trying to help my two children not invest so late like their loser father, so I had them open their Roth IRAs at Fidelity when they were each just 19. I have them set with the following allocation, 45% total US index, 35% total international index, 10% emerging markets index, 10% small cap value index. I don't intend on having them add any bond funds until they hit 40 or 50 years of age. Thoughts on this balance? Well, hi, beginner investor, Mark. (laughs) I love your moniker. Uh, And I also like the fact that you think that we should be on the Mount Rushmore of personal financial advisors. And of course, Tom, Tom, Tommy gave me first position. Who would I choose for the fourth? I'm sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> now, actually, who would I choose? For, I can tell you. Love Joel. Lo, love not Joel. Joe Saul Cihai. Love Clark Howard. Love Jill Schlesinger. Love them all. But I have to tell you, the guy who deserves it, probably the first position, is Jack Bogle. Got to give it to him. Got to give it to him. Then Don, then Tom, then Paul. Uh, anyway, let's get to your question. <laughs> uh, it's so smart, so smart to get them to start your kids to start with Roth IRAs and your portfolio looks awesome. And apparently you really have been paying great attention. You got the total U S index, the total international index, emerging markets and small cap value. 
my goodness. It kind of brings a tear to the eye. Thoughts on the balance? Wow, nicely done. You're right. They're young. They don't need bond funds. So skip the bond funds for probably several decades. And make sure you tell them that when the market goes down, that's when they should be even more thrilled that they're starting young and that they're regularly contributing money. You're really getting them off to a great start. Congratulations. And we're going to save you a spot further down the mountain uh, for helping your kids out. Thank you for the great note. I appreciate it. Uh, Again, we're going through questions that were sent in, written in, typed in, not called in, and then I'm using a computer to voice them. But if you want to call in a question, call 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, or record them at TalkingRealMoney.com. This one, uh, the subject was, do all questions get answered? I submitted two questions over a month ago. Are they still in the queue to be answered? The questions were about a fidelity alternative to the Vanguard short-term bond index that is usually promoted and about contribution limits for a Roth versus a traditional 401k. Well, we certainly do try to answer all of the questions. Um, Now, yours, I seem to remember answering it, but I'm not going to go back through 750 episodes trying to find it, so I'm just going to answer it again. If you're looking for an alternative to the Vanguard Short-Term Bond Index Fund at Fidelity, it just happens to be called the Fidelity Short-Term Bond Index Fund. Its symbol is FNSOX, S-O-X, FNSOX. And it's got a great expense ratio, three-tenths, no, three-one-hundredths of one percent. Uh, of course, a very low yield, like mm, less than nine-tenths, about eight-tenths of a percent. But well-diversified, it's an index fund. It shouldn't be particularly volatile because it's a very short duration, about two and a half years. That's the one. As for Roth and 401k contributions, well, it really, it depends on your age. Um, The Roth contributions in 2021 are, I think, 6,000. Yeah, 6,000. And the contributions for 401ks, just regular old 401ks, if you're under 50, 19.5. Pretty sure that's right. It's off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. So uh, there you have it for those. Now, if you're over 50, you get catch-up provisions, and there are some fancy things you can do. Some employers offer some 401k-type products that are post-tax dollars, but for the pre-tax dollars, in the 401k, that's the way that works. And the Roth is always post-tax dollars, but grows tax-free. Appreciate your question. And here's the one that's next. I am not bashing your fee structure, but I think the future will be moving away from this fee structure. You can embrace it or fight it. Your response? We don't take it as bashing. We've had the fee structure conversation a lot. He sent an article uh, called Why the Asset-Based Fee Model Has to Go. And while I I don't totally disagree, we do, we do work on an asset-based fee model because that's the way it's worked for a long time. But we tried to make ours at the lowest level possible, 1% up to a million dollars, half a percent after a million dollars, because... 
As portfolios get bigger up to about a million dollars, they tend to get more complicated. The planning that goes into that tends to get more complicated. Once you cross over a million, it's not really more complicated uh, or dramatically more. So that's why we can lower the fees down. We have looked at other fee structures. We really have. We've looked at all possible fee structures. Short of commissions, we will never do a commission fee structure. And the, the issue is they don't work financially yet. Uh, we haven't found one that really works. There's the hourly, there's the flat fee. Um, one of the problems with flat fees is to make it make financial sense for us. It has to be a number that makes people uncomfortable. One of the reasons why there's an asset-based fee, one of the reasons why mutual funds charge a percentage of assets for their management, uh, one of the reasons why the IRS requires withholding is to make paying for things more comfortable to you. If you had to write a check every year for your taxes to the IRS, there'd be a whole lot less tax money being paid and a lot more problems. And if we had to charge everybody monthly or quarterly a flat fee, you're just going to get some pushback because the number looks big. I mean, it does. It looks big. But when you realize what you're getting for the money, in many cases, it's not so big. It is big if you're going to somebody like the big brokerage houses who charge 2 or 3%. That's big. That's a lot. Can you imagine them charging you on a monthly basis? But uh, that's the reason we've looked at other things. They're, and as, as you said, we can embrace it or fight it. We're not fighting it. We're looking at things. And someday if we can find something suitable or some way to do it that's more suitable, change can happen. Thank you for your note slash, I guess we could call it a call. <laughs> okay, here's our next one. Hello, I have listened to your program on and off when I can. My daughter is 12 and I am wondering if I set up some kind of investment account, maybe she would have some savings available to her later. Growth? Any recommendations? We are older parents. Well, there are a couple of ways you can go. One with a 12-year-old daughter, uh, it, well, it depends on what the money's for. If the money is going to be for education, then a 529 is awesome. And you might want to look at the Utah 529, which is at my529.com. And you can put money into that to help fund a college education. Uh, tax-free. Other than that, you can either buy things in what is called a uniform gift to minors account or a uniform transfer to minors account where you put the money away and you invest it in mutual funds or whatever, no load, preferably, index, preferably, and you are you're planning to give it to her. As a matter of fact, once you've set up that account, it's an irrevocable gift, technically, to the child at the age of majority. So some people do that. The other thing you might do is if your daughter has any taxable income that she declares on a tax return or, or you know W-2 income, 1099 income, which she'll have in a couple of years maybe, once in a while, you can do a Roth IRA for her. And uh, that is just a great way to, to give her money you don't have to have her put her money in. You can put your money in. Let's say she makes $250 over a summer. 
you can put $250 into a Roth IRA and she can keep her $250. You just give her a really nice long-term retirement account. So uh, that's another way to go. But really, uniform gift to minors, uh, a 529 plan for college or other education, can be other education, could be trade schools, or whatever it might be. Uh, that's a pretty good way to go. I appreciate your question and let's keep going. Hi, I am just discovering your podcast. I like it very much. Been listening to Clark Howard for years and have been looking for a similar type podcast when I heard an ad for you. Thanks for doing this podcast. Being new, I started with the mid-2020 podcasts. In one of those podcasts, I heard you tell a woman that she needed to stay in her home to avoid the capital gains tax. She had said she wanted to buy another place with the proceeds, and I thought as long as you rolled it over there was no tax. I guess that's not true. Yeah, we did just just about a week ago. We started advertising on the Clark Howard podcast. You see, Clark and I kind of go way back. We both worked, we both were on uh, stations with the same company. And uh, I was on WDBO in Orlando. He was on WDBO in Orlando. Uh, we do a similar kind of thing. We've both huge advocates for customers and consumers. So we thought it might be a good place to advertise. And so far, it's been great. You went way back to the 2020 podcast. I don't remember all the things we said back then. So I don't remember this call specifically, but you can't just sell a house that is not your primary residence and avoid the capital gain by buying another one. You have to do what is called a 1031 exchange where you, you don't really sell the one, you exchange them. Now you can do it as a sell one, buy the other through what's called a, I think it, the, it was called a Starker or something. In that, you can sell the property, but you have to, and it has to fit criteria, and the criteria are more strict than they used to be, and it has to be an investment property, although there are some cases where I think that vacation properties have qualified, but don't hold me to that. This is getting into really eclectic tax law. But on a Starker exchange, you can sell the first house. You give the money to an intermediary to hold. You can't take the money. And then within 45 days, 45 days, you have to designate the new property that you're going to buy, and you have to close on that property within 180 days. And then you're not getting out of the tax. You're not getting out of it. You're just kicking it down the road eventually, unless one of those properties becomes your primary residence in the future, you're going to pay the tax. Now, in the future, is it more likely or less likely that the capital gains rate's going to go up? I, I don't predict the future, but sure, a lot more talk about raising it than lowering it. So that's another thing to consider. But yeah, you can do a 1031 exchange. Again, I don't remember the particular circumstances of that call. But um, yeah, it can be done. The next question I have, I'm skipping. Because <laughs> I'm going to have to devote an entire podcast to this one. Um, wow. I mean, this question is literally... 
It's about 25 questions. <laughs> this is the kind of question, seriously, this is the kind of question that we, we talk about on almost every podcast. <laughs> this is the kind of question we go, oh, you know, we really can't answer these questions on a podcast because it's just so much stuff. There's just a lot here. I don't know what we're going to do with this question. I try to answer them all. I'm going to have to think about this one. But this is one of those questions that is the reason why many years ago Tom and I said, what are we going to do for these poor people who need more help than we can give in two or three minutes on our show or podcast? And we decided, hey, we've got these advisors. They're on the payroll. They're smart. They know what they're doing. They're fiduciaries. What if we just let people sit down and have a meeting with them to get their questions answered, have their portfolio looked over, get a second opinion, whatever it might be. And we've been doing it for years and years and years. And here's how it works. You go to vestry.com, you set up an appointment. That's it. Set up an appointment. I promise you three things. You will not pay a dime for a single meeting. You will not be expected to do anything else for this meeting. There's no obligation to do anything. And finally, I and Tom promise you that you will not suffer a high-pressure sales pitch. You will not get pitched. You will get helped. Why do we do this? Because we believe in helping. How can we do this? Well, it doesn't make a lot of financial sense to some, but it turns out since we've started doing it, it's actually been better for business than not doing it. Because here's what happens. You get one of these meetings. You get help. You're a do-it-yourselfer. You're in great shape. You don't need it anymore. It's okay. You know people. Guarantee you know people. And some of those people need financial help. Now, are you likely to say, oh, sure, let me just sit down and help you manage your entire portfolio and your whole future, and I'll write a financial plan for you? Or are you likely to say, um, well, Dave, Cindy, whatever, whoever it is, I'm making those names up, uh, you probably need an advisor. And we know one who is a total fiduciary, no commissions, the fee structure's fair, reasonable. They're honorable people. We dealt with them. Go visit them. It's worked. It's a good strategy. It's called karma marketing. So if you want to do that, just go to vestory.com, set up an appointment there. We will find someone who can work with you or try to set up another time if there's absolutely no one available. Okay? And let's do, oh, let's do one more and then... We'll call it a podcast because this will get us down oh, below a dozen. <laughs> okay, here's our next question. Hi, Don. I apologize if you have recently answered this question. I only recently rediscovered you via your wonderful podcast. We used to listen to you on WDBO in Orlando and also subscribe to your newsletter. Would you please comment on sector ETFs or funds under what if any circumstances are they appropriate? their cyclical nature, the level of sophistication needed to successfully invest in them, and anything else the average investor should know. Many thanks. See, WDBO listener, I just mentioned that. And I did do a newsletter called the Don McDonald Money Letter. 
Uh, it was called something. Oh, it's called Mutual Fundamentals before that. Sector ETFs. No sector ETFs. Period. Exclamation point. Because when you're buying sector ETFs, and this is very different from the way I used to think in the old days, because I used to believe, mistakenly, that uh, there were people who were smarter than the market. I do not believe that anymore. I believe there may be people who are luckier, but not smarter. And you're never, ever going to consistently pick the right sector to get into or get out of and then get into another one in time. You shouldn't do that. We want you to buy the market. We want you to overweight certain asset classes that have shown a historic propensity to outperform and or reduce volatility. For example, you buy the whole market, U.S. and international, because they do offset each other over, or they have in the past offset each other over long periods of time. We have to talk in past tense. Um, and then you can flesh that out with a little small cap value or a little emerging markets or a little real estate or you know something else, bonds to lower volatility. But when you're buying sectors, you're just like buying individual stocks. You are betting on a sector, and we don't believe you're going to consistently and effectively be able to do that. And the and 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 the evidence backs us up. You see, we've got decades and decades of evidence now to help us come to these beliefs and and draw these conclusions. Thank you for your note. Thank you all for your notes. If you want to ask questions anytime, call us at eight five five nine three five talk or. Go leave your questions at TalkingRealMoney.com. And if you can speak them, all the better, because we need more spoken ones. Take care of yourselves. Tell your friends and relatives and maybe even somebody you don't like all that much about the podcast. If you really love what you hear, go leave a review at uh, Apple Podcasts. And uh, we'll, oh, by the way, tomorrow, Saturday, every Saturday we do two hours of live show at 855-935-TALK from 3 to 5 Eastern. It airs in the Seattle area, but we turn it into a podcast. So you can call us live on Saturdays, 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific, 855-935-TALK. Same phone number. Thanks for being there. I'm Don McDonald. Going to go back, hang out, think about, maybe even talk about real money. Talking real money. That the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.